Hello, welcome to EVN Report. My name is Maria Titizia and I have a very special guest in the studio today, Shant Bedrosian. He's a four-time Emmy Award-winning producer based in New York and he's been in Armenia volunteering uh, for the last 10 days. Mm, a little over two weeks, three weeks, nearly three weeks. Welcome to the program. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Shant, we oftentimes hear about, you know, frontline medics, frontline journalists. Um, This is the first time I heard about a frontline kitchen. Um, So before we talk about you, I'd really love to talk about World Central Kitchen because you've been here helping. And again, to put everything into context, obviously this is post-ethnic cleansing of the Republic of Artsakh, Nagorno-Karabakh, where over 100,000 Armenians were forced forced to uh, flee. They have been forcibly displaced. They are now in Armenia. All of them have left with nothing. They have left behind their homes, their lives, their jobs, their memories, um, you know, a millennia of, um, of Armenian history and existence. And so people in Armenia from the diaspora, in the diaspora, have been um, volunteering to help in many different ways. And what you're doing is pretty incredible. And Luckily, you don't smell like onions this morning, this afternoon. So, why don't you tell our listeners what World Central Kitchen is? It's it's really interesting. I've been working with them for nearly three weeks, and you described it perfectly about frontline kitchen. Um, so World Central Kitchen uh, started with Jose Andreas, a famous chef in the United States, one of Obama's favorite chefs. Its uh, mission is to actually provide meals to to uh, to people who are in need due to some crisis, whether it's hurricane, whether it's being displaced, regardless of what it is, it's that uh, food is where the heart is and where the home is, right? They, I think they have a quote that's like, follow the food, right. and you'll know the story of those people. Mm-hmm. Um, I first heard about it because I actually do produce a podcast mm-hmm. with a friend where we do interview some of the best chefs in the world, and uh, Jose was one of them. Oh. And then when, uh, you know, September 19th, the obvious final days of Stepan Akert and Artsakh hit, uh, it was very interesting that through non-Armenian friends, I found out World Central Kitchen was about to show up and hit the ground running and providing meals to those who were spending two to five days in the Lachin Quarter. And yeah. Leaving to, to get out. everything, like you said, mm-hmm. livelihood, livestock, their personal pets, uh, family heirlooms. They could only take what they could fit into a car, but they were not allowed to bring their dogs, right, which right. a lot of people is heartbreaking. Yeah, right? absolutely. Um, so when I found out they were here, I reached out. Um, and then I found out that they were teaming up with Alin Kamakian, who's known for Mighty Restaurants and AGBU. And it was it sort of made sense for me to be here for those three weeks that I had some time to come and help. And uh, and not just that, you were talking about volunteers in the diaspora. This has been an international group. Mm. So it is incredible to work with uh, folks from Lebanon, Argentina, um, France, a lot of French volunteers. Yeah. I love how important volunteering is to them. And mainly working side by side with the uh, the people of Artsakh. You know, Sean, I do have to say this because, you know, I've seen a lot of uh, volunteer efforts and I've seen a lot of people come, you know, volunteer for a day and a half and then post a million pictures and, and then leave. And that's fine. You know, whatever. People have made the effort. Any help helps. Any right? help helps. But you are all in, my friend. I mean, you go early in the morning and you're there till late at night. And the first time I think we were going to meet, you said, I, I can come, but I smell like onions. And I didn't understand what the reference was, but now I do. But no, yeah. you've taken yeah. a shower. I just was uh, peeling and slicing onions today. Um, Listen, 
It's better than sitting and watching and complaining, which a lot of people are doing from afar, right? I think a lot of people have opinions, and during this time, one of the most uh, heartbreaking is sometimes all the varying opinions and the way it's tearing our people apart. So instead of that, what I want to say is that my experience here for three weeks has been people from all backgrounds, all political opinions. I grew up one and I'm helping with another, you know, and uh, all everything that you can imagine is in that building. And the, the point is that we have the same goal is just to do some sense of a good kindness towards these people who have suffered so much. So going at 7 a.m., finishing at 5 p.m., and some people start at 6 and finish at 7. So I, I have managed to try to carve out my own time here to do other projects as well, but I think that it was the only thing I could do. And uh, and But the work is not just one. It, what I'm so impressed with is the way that WCK speaks to the people of Artsakh, and they weigh in on the ingredients, the taste, the, the flavor, the recipe, yeah. what is working, what isn't working. Then the chefs that have come due to Aline's help from Lebanon, how do we add a little bit of warmth and flavor? So all that is, and what we've managed to do so far in the four weeks, because they were here a week before me, um, over 200,000 warm meals. That's incredible. Um, like, which like, is, let's put that into perspective yeah. for a second. I mean, if we were to break that down, in the number of meals that you guys are putting together. And is it just out of one kitchen or multiple kitchens? No, that's, I, I wish I had them. I wish I could explain the map beautifully <laughs> on this podcast, but the visual when people come in and I'm showing anyone who's volunteering, they have a map of Armenia up and they have these post-its and there are 12 to 15 spots that are contracted out by WCK and AGBU together. They've joined forces. And so our kitchen t today, we just finished our record breaking 3,500 meals, but we're averaging anywhere from 10 to 13,000 a day and that starts from Goris to Vaik to Yerevan all the way up to Gumri and Vanadzor so wherever there there there's need that's where they're, they're at. Yeah, and I think it's also important to explain that uh, 100,000 people didn't come to Yerevan, right. right? So a lot stayed in Sunik, in, in Goris. Many have gone to the north, and we know that a lot of them did not want to go to borderline villages because hmm. totally understandable. I mean, look, it's yeah. human. It's the one basic. We always say food, water, and bread is the basic human need. After living here, people have asked me what the experience has been like. I can only use it by saying two words, forever changed. You realize <laughs> stability. I Absolutely. Stability, a home. These people, when I say that the people I'm working with every day, they were 14 people to one room when they got to outskirts of Yerevan. Right, because Gharapa, the women from Artsakh are also working, volunteering. Oh, yeah. the, the, uh, let's, you know. let's I, I can break that down honestly and fairly. Some of them are being paid. They are being worked. Cool, they, they went. Great, what I loved better. about this organization yeah. is they were like, well, these people need income. Mm -hmm. And they're paying them well enough that because it's only going to be about a 30 to 40 day project for now. And I can explain where it's headed. But they're being paid. And the, the answer was, we want, I was like, wow, they're getting paid quite well for the average rate here. And they said, we want them to have a savings once WCK closes shop, right? Because they do move on to other areas. Absolutely. Of, right. right now, I think they have maybe four or five globally, you know, and they are helping both on the Israel side and the Gaza side, which I was very proud that they were in both sides helping. Mm -hmm. um, these women are incredible, but the volunteers from Artsakh are their kids. 
Uh. <laughs> it's their cousins, it's their husbands, it's it's their family that come in that weren't the lucky 12 to 15 to 20 that have been paid throughout the last four, four weeks. But yes, the, the key goal, though, I do want to say is why it's uh, throughout the entire country and how it's managed is that the food cannot be delivered from a kitchen that's uh, a longer drive than 30 to 40 minutes, so it stays warm when it gets there. Right. And the best part of the feedback is right now because it's bulk, it's going out bulk, right? Meals. So you might be a family of four. Someone might be a family of six. It's hard to gauge how many pieces of chicken or pork or, you know, how much rice or how much vermicelli, which is my favorite meal that we serve, how much of each of those things goes out if it's like that. However, starting uh, the first or second week of November, and this is based on listening to the people who are receiving it, they're going to dried and canned goods. So it is three kilos of and it's got like canned meat or canned fish it's got you know and fresh produce not tomatoes it doesn't travel well but bell pepper cucumbers Mm -hmm. carrots onions so now they're going to get the lentils dried not cooked the way we are so they're phasing out of the hot meal you know plan into the dried good plan because that was the the request from you know the the I call them Artsakh survivors mm-hmm. some of them call them refugees some of them call them forcibly displaced whatever you want to say these people have nothing but they want to cook their meals no. they want to prepare it for their family like they have done for as long as they know, right? And so it's it's so impressive that I, I see the, the packaging, the boxes, the food boxes, and how they've been planning what goes in, what goes out, the attention to detail to make sure that these people are not just fed a warm meal, but are getting what they're used to, right? They gave up everything. So that's the, like when I went out, I think one of the more unique parts of my experience was uh, volunteering in Godis for three days and actually hand delivering and seeing these homes. And a French volunteer who was with us said, I wouldn't let my dog live in these conditions, right? And you could see the pain in their eyes when they're coming to meet you to grab the food. And once in a while, they'll invite you in for, for a coffee. The hospitality remains. I, I hope their hope and spirit isn't, you know, completely demolished by their experience, but they're still doing what they can to keep their children alive. And when you go inside, it is, uh, I, I don't know if I can ever forget what I saw in the conditions that they're living in. So that warm meal, that piece of chicken, pork, everything that we have given them, I, I know it means something because one of them said to me, without this food, we would be starving right now. Wow. You know, I always used to say that the one way that my mother knew how to express love was through food. And I think this isn't, you know, specific to Armenians, but, you know, I think it's 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 a universal uh, thing that a lot of, you know, older women, our mothers and grandmothers express their love through cooking. And I can just imagine the women of Artsakh and, you know, they're big families. A lot of them have, you know, multiple children um, and, and they love to cook. It's how to express their love. And the fact that you're that there was foresight and sort of a vision to see that from the hot meals they need to transition into you know the dried products or the canned products so that they can do their own cooking and it's really interesting. I remember you know I'm originally not from here obviously so we use a lot of spices in our cooking. So when I would invite 
23 years ago, my local friends and cook with all these spices, I could tell that it was not working. <laughs> right. So it's really important to, to understand, you know, sort of the palate. Absolutely. We as started well. with sauces that you and I would love. Right. And the feedback was, ah, thank mm. you so much. <laughs> We're very, very appreciative. But and, and we tried to even separate it out because look, I'm someone who was born and raised in the United States. And but dill and coriander is used in a lot of the meal. They'll put it all over the whole plate if they right. have to and so I don't like it so we make sure that if anything has to we separate out especially for the younger kids we have a nine year old volunteer that comes in with us born and raised in the United States but living here in uh, Armenia now and Araxi comes in and she's like uh, you know Shantopar can we separate this out because I what if the kids don't like the greens and so we've been paying attention even to a nine year old volunteer and I was like wait we cannot just put coriander and dill on top of it just because it looks pretty right. we need to make it separate because they do like the simple foods listen where they lived it was about seeing every ingredient like we don't know what we're eating oftentimes like what's in that bechamel sauce right. but like they know that they like to see the starch the meat and the fresh vegetables all there and they know what they're getting right and I, I know because our chefs in the kitchen try to do a family meal and this group has become a family we've celebrated three birthdays <laughs> there's cake that comes there's hugging and kissing every, every morning day. <laughs> there's poetry being said in the middle of it there are tears being shed in the middle of the day it's I cannot believe how close we have become in this short time and in oh my inside jokes <laughs> that are happening and you know and uh and all that is all surrounded about food. Like I'm sitting with women in, in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. Some of them have lost their brothers, their husbands, you know, their sons. And we're peeling onions. We're chopping. Today, beets is on tomorrow's menu. So everything was red everywhere you looked, you know. So there was beets and bell peppers and every, shredding chicken just to make sure that it's easier to eat if they don't have that knife and fork available to them, you know? You know, your, Everything's thought out your really enthusiasm is incredible because I can sense that this has been such a turning point for you almost in your life. I mean, what a, aside from what you're doing to help and taking time off from your life in the United States to come for three weeks and, and actually, you know, be in the trenches, uh, with, with these people. And, uh, well, I think the last time that I did that was when my first trip to Armenia was 95 and from 95 to 98, 1995 to 98, I volunteered with Lenin culture. And when you say it changed your life, I always say that those four years, those summers of working in villages in Armenia defined who I am today. This changed that even more so because it, the experience was a little bit too distant from earthquake, right? Yeah. It had been seven years, eight years, a decade from when we were helping in the north where the earthquake hit. Um, this is so, I use the word raw, they use the word fresh, mm. right? It's so, it's it, it's too close to home. Mm -hmm. So it's made it really difficult. And culturally, obviously, um, like when I was delivering food and I got back in the car and I would like cry, mm -hmm. you know, the driver's like, you're a man, you cannot cry. Right. Yeah, and I'm course. like, I promise I won't do it in front of the families. <laughs> I will do it in the car in between drop offs, you know. And so I, I, I think that's the level. And I think one of the other differences is obviously when it comes to different times. Back then, we didn't have phones or social media. So I'm able to share these stories, hoping someone is paying attention. Because we all know this story here, regardless of Armenian or not, it doesn't make sense why it's been ignored. And, you know, and unfortunately, it has been. And the, the people of from WCK 
are blown away. They kept saying, we didn't know about anything. I mean, these are people who are well-traveled, well-educated, really love people first, the humanitarian uh, the culture of their of themselves as individuals, but as the organization. What's been really beautiful is like, yeah, we hadn't heard about 2020. You know, and and again, they said it had it not been for Aline who volunteered with WCK in the Lebanon during their explosion, they would not be here today. It's a it's a forgotten when we say it a forgotten land, a forgotten people. I cannot believe that at forty eight, you know, like we've been crying genocide since I I remember, and then earthquake, and then blo- the blockades, and then another blockade. Like I can't believe it's still happening in twenty twenty three. So you know, it's it's. Uh, it's I'm going to interrupt you because no, you know, <laughs> please do. We always sometimes people say, you know, I'm just one person. I can't. The problem is too big. I can't make a change. I can't make a difference. I can't, you know, get the ball moving. But look, one woman doing something in the Middle East, when you start putting the dots together, all of us, all of us have our platforms, all of us have our voices, um, all of us can do good, not only for our people, but for others as well. And that will come back and and serve us. I have to tell you, I, I think the other thing that this time, and maybe the time that we live in now, and the news all around us has made me feel is that the priority of just not obviously the Armenian pride, but the human aspect of all of it. And there's a woman who lost everything. And I spoke to her and I said, if the world went silent for 30 seconds and everyone was paying attention to Christina from Stepan Akert, who is now a displaced person, taking food home to her children after working you know, near a 10-hour day, what message do you have in 30 seconds? And she did not make it about being Armenian. She asked for peace and kindness globally. And I was sitting here thinking, oh my God, if I had a chance, I'd be like, my people are dying. My people are starving. My land has been given away. You know, uh, the monasteries, the cemeteries, like all of it gone and in the hands of people who want to desecrate all of it, you know, and, and it's like, Wow. In the middle of all of this, it's personally happened to her. She cares about the global, the bigger picture of peace, love, and kindness in the world. I I had to take a step back and going, she's a better person. Well, because she needed it more than you did at that moment. True. But I love that they're thinking that way. These are people that we would say, village Mm -hmm. people who have not traveled the world Mm -hmm. the way I've had the privilege to do so, right? And... I think that that blows my mind that they care about what's going on across the world. When I keep trying to say to them, it, this is happening around everywhere. That, oh, they know. They know news better than the average American knows. Sure. News. Yes, we do here. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Um, there's still, uh, you know, we've been smiling and, and, and laughing while we're talking through this podcast because I think what you're doing is so beautiful and incredible. But there's still a very, very dire and critical need. Um, and, uh, you know, WCK is one of the organizations that have come into Armenia and, and helping, you know, the amount of meals you guys have delivered is, is, is uh, mind boggling. But talk to me, um, what can people do? You're going to go back home. You're going to be talking about this experience. You're talking about it now. You're sharing about it now. What do you want people, our people to do? Okay, so that's two different questions, Well, right? you know, I, I always yeah, yeah, yeah. do that. I, I know, no, no, that's okay. I think if the message is going out to art people, I think it's obviously sharing the stories, which they do. Um, I'm not going to at all get anywhere near political, but I would love for our people to stop 
doing what they're doing in, in, in the dissension. I'm not saying what's right or wrong, but that public fight that we're having inter- that should remain internal, share your debate, have your feelings, you know, block a minister, you know, a representative to going into a building, do what you do, but don't share that with pride. Like you're doing it for the cause, you know, like, so that's what I would ask our people not to do. I think our people have always rallied when we're all on the same side. When 2020 started, it had been, a, it felt amazing how unified that we all were around the world. I didn't care which political party, which religious angle. It was incredible to feel that way, right? There was a common goal. And then it just disintegrated all of a sudden Mm -hmm. into don't do this, do it that way. And that to me is what I'd ask our people not to do. Uh, Any people in general, and again, I will try to learn from Christina and take a page from her life, help help. I got into a taxi here and I just said, you know, good morning. How are you at 7.30, 7am on the way to work? And he said, you know, 50% of our people in this country would treat me that way. This country would be in a better place. Mm-hmm. 50%. He's not asking for 100% kindness. He's only asking for half the people to be kind to one another. And that's just Armenian to Armenian. I want that. I would ask for that same kindness and love and patience and understanding for that to be regardless of who's sitting next to you, Armenian or not. And then obviously, if you can volunteer and help if you have the time. I did. I, I learned from my Korean neighbor, Jane, who's texting me just two minutes ago asking me how everything's going. Uh, during COVID, I was like, oh, I can't sit in my apartment anymore in New York. This lockdown is killing me. She goes, guess what? You can grab your bike and head down because we weren't riding subways. And I was doing, oddly enough, God's love we deliver. Um, and it was food packing again. I, I, I didn't even put two and two together until recently. I was like, wait, I did this three, four years ago <laughs> as well in 2020. But that made me feel so much better than sitting around watching Netflix all day. And trust me, I love watching Netflix all day. So, <laughs> well, you're a producer, so, yeah. of course you But do. like to me, I think that's the bottom line is to find that moment where you feel better about who you are for what you've done rather than who you are because of where you live and how you dress or who, you know, that. And that's the, that's the hard part going back for me is how do I reconcile my mm. New York lifestyle um, after having seen, heard, and experienced this firsthand here? You well, know, we'll just I'll be, curious. be expecting you yeah. back three or four <laughs> times a I, year I to, get, to, to get your fill. I can't wait. Shant uh, Bedrosian, thank you so much for taking the time out of your very long day um, helping out at World Central Kitchen and uh, with all the women and men that you're working and all the families that you've been helping. Thank it, you. Thank you. Thank you.